Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Graham Like MacLean podcast. Happy belated Easter. It is <laughs> Sunday today that we are recording this after we both have had some really good food and have been able to celebrate a risen savior for both uh, Mac and I and, and for all the people out there who celebrate. But happy Easter, and we have some more spring games to discuss. But first, Eric MacLean, I feel like you have some. Uh, Big news that you posted on social media that you made. Come on, little uh, little little uh, uh, girl dad action, man. Come on, super excited. We can finally announce that. Kaki and I have been waiting on this a little while, um, but we're expecting. Cannot wait. We'll have a fall baby, baby Mac coming uh, sometime in October, September. We'll see how uh, when she wants to make her appearance. But super excited. Cannot wait. Um, man, what a fun journey that is going to be when, when that happens. And it's a girl, which, uh, I was team girl. And now on this podcast, we have two girls and Mac. And so we're all remembering Mac. And I, I know that baby Mac is going to be an athlete because Kaki was a good athlete for sure. She was a hooper. She was, she was a great athlete in general. It, it was so funny when we were, you know, dating, but way back in the day and uh you know she's showing me around her house for the first time and then you know i see this like wall of fame with all these all state all conference all region state champion whatever i'm just like wow uh you're pretty freaking good a uh, thousand points in basketball so you know she's got some uh, some big shoes to fill uh with, with catching up with mom so she, she'll she'll be up for the task i imagine oh yeah i think she's gonna be a shooter but that's just me that's just my hunch that's right. least, it's in the blood it's in the blood she can be whatever she wants to be but um, hopefully she's a shooter. Um, but Mac, we had a busy weekend with a few more spring games. I know you guys were on the huddle, and we're going to talk about Miami, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Duke this podcast episode because we had those spring games. And we're really kind of getting towards the end, Mac. We're going to start looking ahead to ACC kickoff, and, and we're going to have some great guests on. But overall, as spring ball is wrapping up, we asked a little bit about your spring game experience um, on our last episode, but. What's the feeling right now? Spring is over. Either you're the schools that finished last weekend or the schools that finished this weekend. Is there a break between workouts? You just get back into off-season workouts? What, what generally happens? Yeah, that's a great question. This is a, a bit of a dead time. You know, guys are going to finish up some finals. They're going to get things really going there. Uh, and then summer one starts. So they'll have a couple of weeks off. Um, some guys will go home. Uh, there's a little bit of a summer break. I was actually talking to Xavier Thomas from Clemson. He's going down uh, to Florida and going to be training down there for kind of this intermittent time frame uh, where guys are just off. And, and so it, it is good. It is a bit of a break. Uh, and then you hit the ground running with summer one. Um, and then, of course, a little break there, then summer two, and then fall camp it's right around the corner. So it's crazy how fast this is going to fly by. But, KG, I, I just remember back to our time as student athletes, and, and maybe your opinion is different, um, but summer was my favorite because nobody was at school except for athletes uh, and maybe a couple of people sprinkled out. And all you do is work out, come back home, play volleyball, hit the pool, and you're done. And you repeat all summer long. So th this is some of my favorite, favorite time uh, as a student athlete. Completely agree. Campus is dead. So the only people that are on campus are the athletes. So we all know each other and we're kind of running the campus, if you will. That's right. <laughs> um, and you're right. I mean, every different places have pools. So 
or you're at the pool all the time. I think, right. and this is something that now, you know, as a as an adult, you're like, oh wow. I think I went to the pool every day. <laughs> like I really do. Yeah. We worked uh, no question. Our classes, but there's so much time left. And I think I was at the pool every day. So it isn't. Listen, listen, KG, I would go work out 6 a.m., go to class until about noon. And we literally would play beach volleyball and go to the pool every day for like three years. That's what we did. And it was the greatest time of my life. It's just on uh, cruise control. You're just out there having a great time. And so, you know, maybe we'll go back, get our doctorates and we'll do it all over again. (laughs) I like that idea, Matt. I like that. And maybe I know that uh, we're out of eligibility here, but. You know, uh, actually, we have a COVID year, so maybe we can figure that out. COVID year. I think that could be really <laughs> Well, speaking of eligible, let's talk about some of these spring games, Mac. And let's start with Miami. I'm just going to go in the order that they aired on ACC Network. And I was very intrigued by Miami. And I watched a lot of this game live. The first drive, the first team offense comes out there, still missing Will Mallory, who wasn't playing, and missing Jalen Knight, so missing a few pieces. But the first team offense comes out there, puts together a long drive, just methodical, running the ball, passing it. I think nine rushes, six passes, super balanced. And I was impressed. And I thought TVD looked good. And uh, they, they had some receivers making plays. They had some of these young running backs that transfer. Parrish from Ole Miss looked really good. And then Franklin, the big dude that comes in kind of the fullback mode. But that first drive I thought was impressive for Miami. And just in general, I thought the offense did some good things. The O-line looked better. We can talk about the defense in a second, Mac, but let's just start with that. With TBD and the offensive pieces that were out there and playing, what did you see from Miami? Yeah, well, really, I want to touch on that running back room really quickly because you bring up two guys that did play. Uh, there's also two guys that are superstars that did not play with with Knighton uh, leading the way kind of there. And, and just when you look at those guys in Cheney, it's going to be a loaded room. So I I think Coach Cristobal, I think uh, Alex Marble, these guys that come from, you know, this smash ground and pound offense, they're extremely happy. You look at the offensive coordinator, Gaddis, coming from Michigan. I mean, they've got to be licking their chops at the running back room that they're absolutely about to have with two new faces that I don't think a lot of people expected to see a lot of production maybe from. And and we did hear some things about Parrish, but just at the level that we saw from them in the spring game, my goodness. I mean, just go in there, do the best you can. It's a lot like Clemson's defensive line, the depth-wise. Just go out there and do what you do, then get out, let the next guy come in, and then you know get your burn when you can. So really excited about that position group. Thought the offensive line looked really good. Uh, you know, guys out in space, moving along, run blocking very well, protecting. I love the pockets that I saw. Of course, TVD, I mean, he, he's just electric. I mean, the things that he can do with his arm, the plays that he is going to be able to make that are just spectacular, but he makes them look routine, KG, it is extremely, extremely impressive. The one knock that I guess I, I do have from this Miami team right now, now things can change, it's a long summer, whatever is, I saw way too many drops. I mean, this guy is, TVD is going going to get you the ball in the right position, right? He's going to get you in a winning situation. You've got to come up with it. You've got to be able to bring that thing down. And he was right at 21 for 32, and I would say half of those were drops, the misses. And, And so something that is easily worked on, something that you can control as a wide receiver that they're going to have to do that because, I mean, that that's the difference between you know twelve and zero and, and you know seven and four, something of that nature. So you've got to figure that out. You've got to make it happen and really just focus on the little things there. 
I agree. I thought some of the drops were a little egregious. Even Restrepo, who played really well and who's a guy that can maybe be a Braxton Berrios type, I'm excited about him. He had some great plays. He had a big drop, and that's not one you expect. And then Will Mallory. I think when you get Will Mallory back, that will help. But you're right, Mac. It's with TBD, and I, I think we saw it with a few of these spring games. Some of the drops were questionable. And, and I don't know if that's just a spring thing or whatever, but Miami does have to improve in that area. But overall, I mean, just going back to TBD for a second, I thought he looked sharp. There were a few deep balls that I felt like he couldn't really connect on with some of those guys, and so maybe that's going to need to be worked out in, in the summer. But I thought he looked like he was ready to take that mantle of perhaps, as we've discussed, QB1 in the ACC. <laughs> that's right. I, I think so. I mean, when you look at him, really the the biggest – I guess kind of question mark if there is one is just looking at how much can he improve upon? You know, what kind of jump are we going to see? Because now, you know, folks have film on you, KG, and they're going to be looking at at your weaknesses and trying to figure out, okay, how can we exploit this young kid? What can we show him that maybe he's not ready for, doesn't know it's coming? So I think very similar is, you know, he can prepare for that and and he can get ready because of the things that he can do in the film room and and really get after it and, and show these guys that, hey, I'm a generational type talent, and the way that I'm going to do that is with studying and getting in that film room and just really, you know, just seeing things as they happen or even before they happen because of the work, because of the film that he's been able to put in. And I think one guy they might miss from last year, and we'll see if who can step up, is a guy like Charleston Rambo, who could go get you um, a first down when needed, could go up and get the ball. And I, again, Will Mallory, when he's back in action, that's going to help Tyler Van Dyke. When we look at the defense, Mac, I thought the defense looked better. Now, you know, tackling was a huge issue for Miami. We talked about it so much last year. And there's only so much you can tell from the spring game. They weren't having to tackle Jalen Knight, and they weren't having to tackle Don Chaney or Will Mallory, as we've discussed. But I, I felt like there was improvement. I thought the DBs looked better, and the tackling overall looked better. Is that what you saw, too? Yeah, I, I think so. Guys flying around, making plays, you know, j- just really – the effort is number one, what you want to see. You don't want to go out there hurting anybody in a spring game. So, you know, I, I thought that they had a very clean game. A guy that I'm just so excited about to see what is his progression going to look like, who is he ultimately going to be, is James Williams. I mean, he is a freak. He's a huge guy, right at six foot four, six foot five, 215 to 20 pounds, and, and it's just a nightmare on the field. And, and right now, again, he's been a safety, but can they move him around? Because I think the closer to the line of scrimmage that he's going to be, the more dangerous that he can be and the more impactful that he can be. So how much, again, kind of similar on the offensive side with TVD, how much can James take in? Can he understand? Can he do anything on that defense for you? Because I think that makes him really, really dangerous. And then on the defensive line front, we're going to have to find some guys who are going to be, you know, the producers of the TFLs, of the sacks, of the, you know, big time plays on the defensive line. But Love what I saw from Leonard Taylor, the growth from him, you know, throughout spring and, and going into the summer and think he's going to be a key piece. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of expectation on him being a five star. So what jump can he make? What steps towards that, you know, kind of ranking and excitement can he continue to build upon? Totally agree, Mac. The other thing I liked and I wasn't there, of course, I was watching on TV, but you there were there were the Miami aspects. You had an interview with Ed Reed, who we know is, I think, director of football operations. And they interviewed Dane Radakovich, and and they had just some of the Miami stuff. But I also felt like this was a very serious event. And sometimes when I would watch Miami in the past, 
the lack of discipline, things of that nature would show up. And you just think, okay, that's kind of why Miami's had issues. Uh, Mario Cristobal is not messing around. He's not. And, and I felt like he ran a very tight ship. He was very buttoned up. He didn't do the on-field mic stuff. He's not about that. And it felt like football was first and foremost the priority. I got that vibe from that spring game and from Cristobal and his staff. And of course, his staff is loaded. They brought in so many guys with Kevin Steele and Josh Gaddis and all these dudes. So it, and I know it's a spring game, so I get that it we can't take too much, but it felt like a more serious vibe. And, and I, think, that's what I'm, that's- I think that's just who he is at the end of the day. And, and, and he is taking this approach and kind of, you know, getting Miami out of, you know, that funk almost where it was turnover chain, touchdown rings, dancing, music, video, all this crazy stuff. And at the end of the day, it's just, let's get back to football. Let's focus on that and get really good. And then maybe some of that can come. And man, I just can't wait to meet him. His just non, uh, non uh, approach when he's doing this with the no nonsense and, and the way that he is handling this, where you sit down and talk with him. He said, listen, I've been to the mountaintop. I've been there twice. And so I know what it takes. And, and nobody on this team, he, he can't ask enough of them that he hasn't already done, that he hasn't put in the blood, sweat, and tears for this university. It's one thing if you're just a player uh, from another you know, university and come back as a coach somewhere, but he's done it there. And, and he knows what it means to represent the U and, and what that is all about. And I'm so excited he's back. Can't wait to meet him in a couple of weeks down in Amelia Island and just sit down and just talk ball with him a little bit because I think there there's a lot of excitement around the country, around the ACC, you know, for the fact that man, th- this might be the awakening of a sleeping giant here in Miami. Well, we know they're a sleeping giant, and it got me excited just watching the spring game, especially the first half when a lot of the ones were out there. So I can't wait to see what happens with Miami. Let's go to another program, Mac, who has proven more lately than a lot of other programs, including Miami and some of the, the Blue Bloods, in Wake Forest. And, okay, before we proceed to discuss Wake Forest, <laughs> I turn on the Wake game, and I'm going to settle in, get my popcorn ready, watch Sam Hartman throw some dimes. And I realized, and maybe I was living under a rock, maybe this is how Wake has always done it. When I realized, Matt, that they weren't going to tackle <laughs> anybody, I was like, wait. They don't even tackle like the running back or the receiver. How many people do that for their spring game? That's crazy to me. I, I think we maybe are getting you know closer and closer to more folks doing that just because of injuries and guys getting wiped out and position groups not being available because of various things. So I, I think we're trending that way for some things. But I'm right there with you. I was watching. I'm just like, what is this? Is this two hand touch? What what are we doing? And then they're in practice uniforms. We're on national TV. And we're in faded jersey practice uniforms. Like, Wake, what are we doing? We, we've got to be better than that. I mean, there's guys on the defense and offensive lines that have, like, different color vests on. And, and jer- I'm just like, what, what are we watching? What is this? And so that was weird. I'm with you. Schematically, uh, the, the, the whole look of the spring game was, was really odd. But I think we saw a lot of explosiveness. I think when you look at Wake Forest, there's no question Sam Hartman is going to be right back throwing touchdowns, running touchdowns. This wide receiver core that he has with Marin, Green, and and A.T. Perry, man, they're going to be dynamic. And I know a couple of other guys are going to step up um, in that room at the running back position, at the tight end position, and really just get this offense going. So uh, I saw exactly what I I thought from Wake Forest and the fact that they're going to be right back. And I think they're going to be a double-digit win team and be a team that's going to, again, either press to win or be right in the race for the Atlantic. I agree, Matt, especially with Sam Hartman and all of those weapons 
coming back. I thought Des Williams and Horatio Fields showed that they can be the next guys. I'm not sure how much we'll see them with all those superstars that are already there, but we'll see them in the future catching passes from whoever's playing quarterback after Sam Hartman. And we got a glimpse of some of the other guys for that as well. My other, obviously defense is a question. And I'm literally looking at my notes. I said, defense looked better, but didn't tackle, LOL. So, <laughs> so they I mean, look great. I, they look fantastic. <laughs> I don't know how much better a, t- a defense can look when you're not tackling. And I feel like it's got to be hard, Matt, for that Wake defense when you are going up against that Wake offense and you're not going to see an offense like that really against anyone else. So that's also it's just hard to judge what we saw from the defense. It really is. And that's why these spring games are so difficult is because, number one, are, are you looking at a really good offense, a really bit, bad defense, a combination of the two? And then you throw other factors like, well, we're not tackling anybody. So, you know, it, it's super hard to to get a read, to judge what you see. But at the end of the day, I, I can sit here and promise you guys on, on April 17th, April 18th, that. Wake Force is going to score a lot of points, and they might have to to win a game, but they're more than capable. I think that offense is, is going to be just fine and really excited to see the continued growth of Sam. I mean, he's going into you know his fourth, fifth year here now. I mean, this is his offense, and we should see some freedom. We should see some ability to check, audible things that he sees out there. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a coach out there, and he comes from a, a coaching family. I know it's important to him. I know he loves it. And so I, I think this could be a really cool year for Sam Hartman, just in the ownership of the offense. Obviously, what he did last year, 50 touchdowns. I mean, the fact that there's only been two other guys do that. One has been an NFL MVP. The other just was the highest paid uh, quarterback ever. And and so when you look at that, and then Sam Hartman's in that mix, just look out. I'm excited to see his growth and development for this coming year. And I know we've seen some Wake fans on Twitter, Mac, that think, not us, of course, but others (laughs) have forgotten about Sam. When we're talking about Who's going to be the best quarterback in the ACC in 22? We talk about Devin Leary. We talk about Tyler Van Dyke. Sometimes we bring up Malik Cunningham. Some of these other big names. Keaton Slovis, whoever's going to be the QB at Clemson. But we can't forget about St. <laughs> Martin because his production and his numbers, you can't argue with it. And he's at a point now where he's a fifth-year guy, and we talked with him last year about just the mental side and how he's really started to master that, paired with the mastery of the scheme right. and the offense. Let's not forget about. I'm it. glad you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is that's another level, right? And so now you know, as he is mastering this offense, he's also mastering his body and his mind. And so, man, if you can marry that together, it's hard to look at last year and say, man, what could you do better? But winning a championship, winning the ACC, getting you know to a potential playoff or New Year's Six bowl. And then finishing business. So I think a picture perfect ending for Sam Hartman. It's crazy. As we go along in summer, all these different things are going to be pulling these top five lists, these projected, you know, winners and who we think is what. I can promise you this, Sam Hartman is top five quarterback in the ACC and probably top in the country when you look at this conference and how important that quarterback play is going to be. So it'll be fascinating to see where he ends up, what kind of lists he's on to start this season. Yeah, I think there's a the three that come to mind right away are Leary, TVD, Hartman. And, and it's crazy we'll you didn't even mention the, the leading passer in the country in Brennan Armstrong. It's nuts. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so true. Plus Malik Cunningham. Plus, you know, could be Keaton Slovis. Right. Could be Clemson. There's just it's there's crazy. a lot of guys out there. It's crazy. You see. And speaking of QBs, Mac, let's talk about Virginia Tech's spring game. Grant Wells, who is the Marshall transfer, he looked pretty good. He passed for 178 yards, 
two long touchdowns to Caleb Smith. I thought their connection was obvious. Jason Brown, who was the South Carolina transfer, really struggled. Now, Bryn Pride talked about afterwards how he had the lesser of the O-lines, but they didn't get a first down until their eighth drive as a unit, which was tough. They didn't get a first down. So it looks like it's Grant Wells' job at this point. But overall, and even though he did look good, Mac, I, I just wonder about that QB position as a whole for Virginia. Yeah, I, I think really when, when you look at it, someone is going to have to emerge. And, and it looked like Wells, as you just said. I mean, when, when we see the things that he was able to do, the pretty touchdown balls, I mean, both of those being over 45 yards what was fantastic and coming out of his hand I mean it was beautiful it's one of those it's one of those if you just watch that you don't see anything else you're like that's a that's a touchdown or a big play I mean he's just so confident in the way that he throws it and you know think that that's something that Virginia Tech has to have they have to have that element of being able to throw the football that's been missing for you know the past three four years and and so something they continue to develop there I think when you look at this offensive line, though, KG, there, there are so many question marks because of who they lost and, and guys that are going on to the NFL that have been there for a long time and have been really good uh, for this Virginia Tech team. So for me, those are the two biggest positions, obviously, um, and, and then just the skill players in, in general. So it, it's going to be really tough for Virginia Tech, I think, this year. But one thing I can tell you is Hokie Nation brings it. I mean, for the spring game, for, for Brent Pry not to be able to hear a question asked on a sideline, uh, you know, because Hokie Nation was going berserk, it is just truly amazing. That environment is crazy. Uh, and I really love this staff and, and Coach Pry, you know, being the head guy. I talk about it all the time. When he first was announced, I just didn't think that that was a possibility, and I'm just scratching my head saying, what, what are we doing? What is this? But the more I look into him, the more I listen to him, the more I hear and see what he's all about, it just seems like a match made in heaven. So I, I hope that it works out. I think he's a fantastic hire. Again, another coach that I can't wait to meet when we head to Amelia Island. He fits Virginia Tech, and he he's already completely embraced Virginia Tech. That's something I'm not sure Fuente right. did. As right. much, and so that's been a good change. And I do think defense first is is a good way to go for VT. Now, look, as we talked about, the Jason Brown team they didn't get a first down for eight drives. Well, the defense is on the other side, and so that's some good things that we saw from the defense. But overall, I think the big question on both sides of the ball is where are the playmakers for Virginia Tech? Where where are those four star, five star guys that can blow up at a game or change a game? And it's going to take Brent Pry a while to get some of those guys in there, it seems. They do have some solid defensive pieces. We know all about uh, Dax Holyfield right there at linebacker. But I, that's what I think Virginia Tech's been missing the last couple of years is where are the yep. playmakers? That they yep. use and, and just consistently being able to do things. I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think, again, you talk about patience. You talk about giving a coach time and things of this nature. It should be evident very quickly in the recruiting approach, in the way that they're doing this, because I think what everybody, including myself, but specifically from Virginia, have been screaming is put a fence around this state. Stop losing the talent. You have to be the destination for the 757, for the Tidewater area, for all these different just really talent, Richmond area, the really deep areas that guys are going other places. Guys are going to North Carolina. Guys are going to Penn State, et cetera. We have to be able to lock that down. And I think if we can start seeing those little subtle changes, there's only going to be continued growth and excitement that ultimately wins to W's on the football field. I'm with you on that, Mac. Okay, let's talk about our final team here, our final spring game, the Duke Blue Devils, with new head coach Mike Elko. And I am watching, admittedly didn't get to watch this game live, so I'm going back, watching a lot of the highlights. 
Jordan Moore. Jordan Moore is, if we're talking about playmakers, Mac, dual threat QB, it's interesting because Duke has two very different very, guys yeah. that they're picking right up for their QB role. Jordan Moore, completely dual threat. Riley Leonard, pocket passer, passed for 246 yards. But Jordan Moore had 91 yards on the ground. Do you realize, and Mac, I know you do. I'm talking to the proverbial day. Do you realize how hard it is to get 91 yards on the ground in a two-hand <laughs> touch scrimmage? Do you realize how elusive you have to be? He also threw for 97 yards, two touchdowns. I thought both guys Listen, good. Listen, this is – I mark the tape, okay, because I don't ever say this. And I don't – I kind of don't believe it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Two-quarterback system. Go in there yes. just because you, you can't keep him on the sideline. It's almost like Jordan Travis a couple of years ago. He's so good, we have to have him in. We have to have him as a part of this offense with more and, and really whichever way you lean. I mean, whoever you feel the most comfortable with, but just his his excitement level, the things that he can do, especially when it's not two-hand touch and his escapability can be on full display. So you, you have to come out of this spring game feeling pretty good and feeling, okay, excited. There's something there. There's something that we can build upon. Um, For Duke, though, it's going to be a tough uphill battle. I think when you look at this staff and you think about goals and, okay, what do we want to try to do this year? What are are we aiming to accomplish? The biggest thing, KG, is getting back in the win column in the ACC, in ACC play. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? My goodness, let's throw a parade. But you have to get that done because getting blanked in your own conference, I think it's almost been two straight years. It's unacceptable. You have to be able to compete. You have to be able to play. And in this day and age with the transfer portal, when you can go out and get guys that can immediately help you, not that this four-star that we have to develop and we have to bring them along and then maybe his third or fourth year, he can do it. You can go get guys right now to help you. So I just, you have to do that. And I know, listen, Duke is a tough university. There is very different standards at Duke than there is a lot of other schools. So I know that that is difficult, but we've seen it in basketball. They're they're making, you know, adjustments where they take transfers. And for a while, I think there was kind of a rule at Duke where they wouldn't. But now in this day and age, it seems like there needs to be that cohesion where academics is working with athletics and we get this thing rolling because I think that could be a really big solution and, and I say this all the time, KG, athletics is the front porch of a university. So if you understand that, if you know that, you can say, hey, look, let, let's try to help each other out here. Let's get some things going in a positive light. Admissions go up, testing, all these different things will elevate as your sports programs can elevate. So I, I hope to see that buy-in. I hope that we have time to build it and see what this program could look like. Because before this game, I, I was really, really low on Duke, not saying I'm you know, giving them a ton of different wins, but there is excitement. There are playmakers that I think can can do some real work. Yeah, and I think Mike Elko is committed to doing everything he can to get wins at Duke. And I was reading up on some of their practices and how their spring has gone overall. And the players are talking about how it's so much more physical in practice. That's been a huge point of emphasis. And here's what I really liked about this Duke spring game, Mac. Compared to our dear friends over in Winston-Salem, uh, they tackled. And they even tackled on Whoa, kickoff returns. That's crazy. Like that's it. crazy. And they wore game uniforms. So that's that's, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yes. And they wore real uniforms. And I get that they were still, still doing two-hand touch on Jordan Moore, but they did let him sure. play a little bit. You know, I know he's a black jersey, but I liked that too. And I, I feel like Mike Echo's doing what he can to change that's the right. culture. That's right. It starts with baby steps. You got to keep figuring it out. 
um, and, and excited to see what he can do there. And, and with buy-in, with you know, guys understanding that things are different and, and they're going to be different, and just to see you know what we're able to get with that. KG Spring is almost over. We've got like one game left this next coming weekend. Uh, it's been a ton of fun to just see these teams to actually be able to talk about live football that we have going on. Uh, but time's ticking, and we are getting closer to summer, which means we are going to be loaded, guys, with a bunch of fun guests. You're not going to want to miss it. So whatever you need to do, get to your phone. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Spotify. Subscribe. Uh, re- give us a rating. Give us a little review. It's always super fun to hear from you guys and different things you want to see from the show or things that you've heard in the past. Uh, but we really appreciate you guys. And until next time, we'll see you all.